guys, welcome to the Inspired Podcast. The Inspired Podcast is designed to have relevant conversations centered around our everyday lives, all while looking through the lens of the Word of God. Life can be hard to navigate, especially as Jesus-believing sisters, moms, wives, or friends. So we invite you to our table and hope that you are inspired to view God in bigger and more awe-inspiring ways as you walk this journey with Him. Today, we are knocking another topic off the list of questions and topics that you sent in from our last Inspired Conference, and we are talking today about teenagers and everything that has to do with teenagers and parenting adult children. So take a listen. Welcome back to the Inspired Podcast. We're glad that you're here. We are on episode four of season four. Four? Four. Ooh. Yeah. Oh. And guess what? We're back with our friend Renee Wilson. What's up, guys? Hey, Renee. Right now, four four. Yes. Love it. We're glad that you're here. I'm you glad always, to be here. You always have some great mm-hmm. wisdom and insight. Well, it's I say nice. a lot of words. Yeah. Good words. Sometimes. <laughs> Good words. <laughs> well, okay, but the, I especially am excited to have you on this episode because we are talking about teenagers. I love teenage it. not Nope. Just teenagers. Not it. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about teenagers this episode because one of the topics thrown out at the conference was teenagers. And this really stuck out because Mm -hmm. Renee has a lot of experience with teenagers. I have told you before, I think, that I want you to parent my (laughs) my kids when they become teenagers. No, I'm in a good role for your kids during teenage years. I'm not their mom, which means they're probably more inclined to listen to me. Yes. Mm -hmm. Very true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They'll be just going on a lot of Aunt Renee. That's right. Outings. Ice cream runs. Yes. Um, so Renee, to give us a little bit of background of where you get your experience with teenagers from. Sure. Uh, so I was one, um, <laughs> and I grew up in a big Thank family. You. So there always was either like a baby or somebody of some life stage. No. Um, my background is I was a school psychologist in public school setting and worked in elementaries and middle schools and high schools for a few years. And then Jesus said, Hey, come be a youth minister. So I've been doing that for over a decade. And prior to that, I was a volunteer in youth ministry and I, don't know how people choose adults over teenagers like i love high schoolers and their brains and the way they think uh middle schoolers i sometimes will distance myself from because you know they get (laughs) gross and they don't realize they're still sticky sometimes you know sticky i mean you know suckers and candy and i'm like okay well okay like no um, and you smell a little too. Yeah, they you start know. smelling and they don't know to wear. But high schoolers' brains and the way they ask questions and the way they look at things and challenge and boldly and honestly and truly trying to figure it out. And then when they turn that corner of understanding or they turn that corner where they're taking what they know and applying it independent of someone telling them to, it's just, just, the it's just so great to be a part of their world when they're doing that. And get to just watch, watch them grow and live and become. Mm-hmm. Um, it's such a gift. So a little bit of background about our friendship and how we know each other is when my husband and I moved to Ohio, we um, or he worked at a church um, Reynoldsburg in Reynoldsburg. Mm-hmm. And um, you were on staff. Mm-hmm. And so you and Trey were on staff at sure. a church. Yes. Um, and you were over students and I, although I never had the uh, margin or capacity to serve in youth at that we time. We tried. Because I had Little. littles. I had three littles. Two it's, littles when you first well, moved. Well, two littles and then a third. And I, there was no way that I could make it to 
youth. Right. Or the bandwidth to even think think about it. Yes. Um, But as much as I wanted to get in there, because I I was so compelled at how you arranged and organized your youth group, um, because you... You did it in a way that I had never seen before. Um, in in one small area was the way that you had students sit. I mean, like I know that mm-hmm. sounds really basic and elementary, but I mean, like my youth group experience was always in rows, and you know we were pointing towards the stage. A youth director or minister gave us like a sermon, and then you'd break out into small groups. But and I know that there was times that you guys did that. But more often than not, you guys would circle around a table and you would have, what did you call them? Circle, circle uh, discussion? It was table talk. Table and, talk. And, and it was an inherited format um, that I, so this is why it's important to have good mentors around you and mm-hmm. people that you're learning from. Because um, me and my colleague inherited this from the former youth pastor and he would do table talk. And it's students and adults at the same table, but separated. we separated at that point um, by gender and, and grade. Um, you could do it in a variety of ways. Sometimes we mix mm-hmm. it up, but you want adults and students at the same table. And it was a kind of call and response is the ba- best way to describe it, where uh, whoever was teaching that week was up front. They'd give like a four to six minute sort of snippet and then drop a couple questions and say, okay, at your tables, discuss. Mm-hmm. Or you'd give like a 15 minute kind of long form mm-hmm. teaching. And then, all right, y'all have half an hour to sort of wade through this at your tables and discuss and um so you're equipping leaders with questions but really the point was conversation and relationship to disciple personally yeah um it was an inherited form and i loved it and well even like to go further into the content that was discussed it wasn't Mm -hmm. the typical youth group content i don't think (laughs) because there was there was topics that you guys were throwing out um, and allowing these teenagers to discuss that I was surprised because I was like, I don't know if I ever would have said those words as a teenager or I would have talked about topics like that because it was so either hush-hush or like, oh, we know what the Bible says about that. <laughs> um, it, but we had no place for dialogue about it because it was just assumed that, like, you know, sex before marriage. Well, like, well, yeah, that's just what the Bible says and teaches and so like that's just what it is and if you do then like there's no there's like no discussion but you allowed teenagers to take ownership of these topics and content and really helped them navigate what a conversation looks around Mm -hmm. this i yeah one of the things i find really important is not just to teach a truth but teach how to apply the truth Mm mm-hmm and the only way to do that is to have the real conversation. So sex before marriage, sex, intimate relationships, like pick how you want to phrase it. But students are like, that's so general. And we know that as adults. But are you willing to wade in the waters of conversation to say, yeah. all right, um, are you talking about oral sex? Yeah, you're like, what hardcore is- making out, yeah. like <laughs> heavy petting, yeah. full body nakedness, half body nakedness, <laughs> like. You know, and so one of the things we did, and with with sex and intimate relationships specifically, um, parents always had access to what we were teaching. Right. Uh, with that one, it was many days ahead of time, so they could decide, and it was typically outside the t- the normal teaching setting, so they could choose if they wanted the church to be a voice in their child's life right. with that topic. Um, but we did something one year just to kind of switch it up, where we defined the bases. 
what do you think yeah. first getting to first yeah. base is? Right. Here's what I know. Did your teenagers like... ever ask you those questions? <laughs> I talked to them about it. Look, there you go. She's proactive. She's. I would say she's the rare mom. Yeah. But oh yeah, I talked to them about it. And part of part of how we approach teenagers at any life stage is how we were raised, right? For oh, yeah. better, for worse, in spite of or because of. Um, I love my mom. Uh, this was the sex, drugs, alcohol, and peer pressure talk I got. Hey, people are going to be doing things that you know not to do, so you don't do them. <laughs> You're like, 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 I remember where I was when she said the words. Like, that, that, those were the words. That's, that's the most vague. And, like, of course I know, but I didn't really yeah. know. Like, right? You So... So let's talk about it. Is it, is pot a sin? Smoking pot a sin? If it's legal in the state, is it a sin or is it okay? If it's for medicinal purposes, is it a sin or not? And how is pot different than like, you know, alcohol and like what kind of alcohol though? Like what's the percent, you know? Yeah. And acquisition of alcohol, acquisition of pot, like what are the nuances? Because in a teenager's brain, and this is developmentally, whether you have a faith base or not, Mm -hmm. they're thinking... How close can I get to the line without getting burned? Or even if I go a little bit over, will the burn hurt that much? Yeah, like, can I withstand it just in order to have, like, more, in my mind, more freedom? So I I remember as a teenager saying, hey, I'll try anything once. (laughs) That was my motto. I'll try anything once. One of my best friends would say, well, they wouldn't let us do it if it would hurt us. Right? (laughs) Oh, I love that. That's a good one. They they wouldn't let it be accessible if it would really be bad. And I'm like, there's some truth to that and not, right? Like, yeah, it lets you drive a car, but you can kill somebody with it. That's right. You know. And then, and let me just, this is my soapbox about teenagers. Today's teenagers do not care about getting a license. And it boggles my mind. I used to think it was, maybe it is like all over, but when we moved to Ohio and I got to know some of the kids that were in your youth group, because I was like needing babysitters. Yeah. They couldn't drive They themselves. would tell me they don't have a license. I'm like, uh-huh. why do you not have a license? I turned like, 16 and got my license. I did too. Like, I needed a job. I, I just thought it was Midwestern I... culture. Maybe it's not. Wild. Why? I think it's it's generational. It's like pervading the generations. And you see that as more 20-somethings with their parents. And we could go on a conversation rant about today's economy and job access and right. the cost of college and all that. But inevitably, to to some degree... Parents, you're not raising children, you're raising young adults. And all throughout, you're That's teaching right. them life skills. That's right. To eventually be the independent from you person. I'll preach it, sister. You know, you hope them to be. Great. I mean, that was one of the things that got so impressed upon me when my kids were little. I know I've shared this story before that um, I had an OB who told me that before I left the hospital, after they were born, to write them a letter. Mm. And about, just, you know, what it what it was like seeing them born and my, my hopes, my whatever. And I remember with my second, um, born, um, I, he was in the bassinet and I'm writing and I'm finding myself writing. It's like, I just feel like God's telling me that my job is to let you go, which is hard for me to kind of do because I'm looking over at you, you know, you're a day old and you're totally dependent on me, but that is my job as your mom is to let you go. And that has stuck with me that it's like my job and I kept it would be it's like it's not to keep you little, even though you may be cute at this moment. You know, my job is to help you grow so that you can leave and go some places that I would never do and do things that I would never do. You know, it talks about 
you know, the, the quiver of arrows. Well, you know, I want to be able to shoot you out there to do what God has designed you to do. I don't want you to, I don't want to raise you to be dependent on me. I, you know, I want to raise you to be able to depend on God and to be independent and go out and make your life, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, and that's, I, I think that's one of the things that I, I think I see a lot in a lot of people in the way they, in, in the way some of the parenting is, it's like, you know, you talk about the helicopter parents, you know, it's like, you don't have, you don't have to orchestrate and do everything for the, for, in their lives. No, you know? no. One of the best uh, messages about parenting I've ever heard and now they have a book was from Andy and uh, Sandra Stanley. Yeah, right. Um, sorry, I was for a minute blanking on her name, but yeah. Um, and they just wrote a book called Parenting. I haven't read it, but about ah, 10, 12 years ago, they did a sermon on a Sunday morning and they said, this isn't a typical message teaching or sermon. This is just, here's the things we've learned and we think could be helpful for you to know. And one of the things that stuck with me, and I would pass this message along to a lot of different parents was, consider who you like how you want your relationship to be with your adult children because they will be adults Mm -hmm. and what decisions are you making now at age 6 16 2 that lead to that hopeful inevitability Mm -hmm. we want to be in a relationship we want them to come around we want them to enjoy time with us we want to enjoy time with them Mm -hmm. so what does that look like Mm -hmm. how do you forge eventual friendships but but friendship has a time and place in a parent-child relationship right and I'm going to argue it's it's not always, rarely is it in the teen years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, it's like Mean Girls, right? Or Amy Teller's like, I'm a cool mom. I'm not like the other moms, you know? Oh. Okay. Well, nah, then still they still, they still want you to be mom. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. They it, need you to be. Right. Mom. It, right. And that's, and that's, that is so good because it's, um, I think I, I was parenting before Andy Stanley, but, um, <laughs> but I, I remember, I don't know if, where I heard it or whatever, but it was like when they're little, you know, that really you're, you are cultivating that relationship for their teen years, Mm -hmm. for whatever. And I remember someone saying, that means, you know, that when your son wants to sit down and discuss his latest video game forever with you and all the details that you sit and you listen and you do that because then that means that later when they're older and something like series comes up that's right know that that you're going to listen that's right you know um you know if it's if it's the latest lego thing or whatever or your daughter wants to talk about you know whatever you know is going on as far as oh you know i just love this you know is this my little pony and i do this and i do that but the idea of you know take them on errands with you and talk and and because you're laying some of that it's not going to go away yeah absolutely and it's not just how you talk Mm -hmm. with them but how you talk around them, mm-hmm. uh, anyone with kids at any age knows they're, li- they're, they're listening. Yeah. 100%. You know, you look at the hours and there have been faith-based uh, places that have done the numbers. I don't have the numbers in front of me. How many hours a parent gets with a child typically yeah. versus how many hours the church gets with a child? It's astronomically different. Right. The church gets maybe one to two hours every week. May- so you're looking at maybe 50 to 100 hours a year, maybe, right? That's it. Mm-hmm. So when, Jess, you're talking about having these kind of crazy conversations within youth group, that was only meant to be a catalyst for, hopefully, parental conversations, like res- resourcing something at home, and for a student to have a safe space to talk about it if it wasn't happening at home. But the hope was that then they would carry that and be like, this is what we talked about this morning. What do you, what do you think, mom, dad, aunt, grandma, grandpa, mm-hmm. like... Mm-hmm. Okay, so 
since parents are going to be listening to this primarily, um, what would you, I guess like my question is, how do you get those types of conversations going mm-hmm. without being too awkward or um, what do you call it? Like just like overachieving, like forcing it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, three things. One, and I wish I remembered the source and I don't, um, but a friend of mine had me listen to a podcast last year. And the advice was, it's not one 60-minute conversation. It's 61-minute conversations. Okay. If That's really good. If you haven't started having some conversations when they're little, it is going to be weird when they're older if you want to start talking about, like, intimate relationships. If you want to start talking about how we treat our bodies. If you want to talk about how we pick our friends. Like, that starts from day one. You have those good conversations. And the kid knows when I go to mom or dad, I already know what they're going to say to some extent. But that's where you got to be open. So step two is, are you open and not closed? Yeah. Are you willing and available? Right. right? And so one, it's not just a one and done conversation on all this. It's constant conversation. Two, are you open and available? And three, uh, seize moments, but also like secure moments. And what I mean by that is if there's an opportunity to talk, seize that moment. But also if you know you've got a kid with basketball practice. And so for five minutes, like I know a mom who... Uh, her kids aren't allowed to use their phones in the car on short trips like that because then she gets to have conversations with them. Mm-hmm. And because that's been always the rule, if you have a phone, we don't use our phones in the car, we talk to one another, or at the dinner table. We don't have phones at the dinner table. You secure moments where all there is to do is look at each other and have mm-hmm. some conversations. Yeah. But if that's the norm set and established early on, mm-hmm. I think teens relish that. Now, they might buck a little bit, but... I guess, like, I'm thinking of maybe a mom who's like, well, my teenager's already 16 or 17, and I and I desire to have these conversations with him or her, but <clears throat> when someone says that those conversations need to be happen, like, w- were to be happening when they were little, how do I make up for lost time? Sure. Where do you see them be most open, and who is that with? Mm. And start there. If the goal is one-on-one... independent of asking uh that's probably not your starting place so build to it gosh I always see them kind of laugh the most when we're with this group or in this setting or at this time um the other is sort of basic psychology counseling ask closed-ended questions yes or no things easy for them to answer and then when you see them give a little bit eventually there'll be some opening up yeah um but it's it's like any relationship you work on it you get to know them because if you've not had to this point that kind of open, honest relationship, there's a level of you're, you're still meeting and getting to know your 16-year-old. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think many parents can attest to, I know my kid through and through, and some go, I don't even know this kid that stands before me anymore. I had a story last week of a mom. Their kid came downstairs dressed in something. She didn't know where he bought it. She didn't know how he got it. And yet here he was wearing it. Um, and it was one of those, wait a second now like yeah. through conversation they learned and you know all that but I mean because they're becoming more and more independent mm-hmm. you have to continue be interested and in learning so that's what I that's the encouragement come from a place of curiosity not assumptive yeah assumption. I actually heard um someone recently talk about like and you have you had teenager boys that um their best most productive conversations are actually shoulder to shoulder so like in the car because they don't they're more willing to open up when they're not having to be eye to eye to you 
Um, and so that, I mean, that just might be a simple little tip. Yeah. But... Or if you're doing something, you know, it's like, um, I don't know. I was just thinking something like, okay, we're, you know, we're washing the car. Yeah. Or we're, we're raking, raking the leaves. leaves. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're yeah. raking leaves, you know, and, and it was, and it's amazing to see because in some ways it takes the pressure off. Yeah. And, you know, whereas I think, you know, with daughters, it's, you know, because women tend to relate more face-to-face and that kind of thing. And I think that um, it's a little bit easier sometimes to do that. But um, those are the kinds of things, like you said, sitting in a car, you know, running an errand, you know, going, taking them, dropping them off somewhere. Um, You know, I was thinking when we said that we were going to talk about this, um, you know, my kids are all grown now, but um, I have to say the teenage years were like like one of my favorite times. I love to hear you sit up. I absolutely, it was, it was hard, but it was exhilarating. Mm -hmm. I had so much fun, Mm -hmm. you know, in so many ways. And I cried more tears than I thought I ever would. But it was, it was, it was like, really, when I look back on it, it was like, this was so cool. This was a good time. This was a good time, you know. Um, And I was a single mom when my kids were all teenagers. Um, My kids are very close in age. And which meant that, you know, we were doing driver's ed and all the stuff all at the same time. <laughs> yeah. And I remember thinking, why? I, I mean, I did pray and say, Jesus, you are going to come back before my kids turn 13. Right. <laughs> and he didn't answer that prayer mm-hmm. for me. So a lot, a lot of you out there, I don't know that he's going to answer that <laughs> prayer for you either. But, you know, but and I felt that way. But then it was like, oh, I would have missed this right. if you came back. And this is so it's so great. But it was, um, but just that posture is such a gift. Like, I don't want to miss this. Yeah. This is hard and it's messy. And yet I only get it for, it's it's just like toddlerdom, right? Mm-hmm. Only get them this little and cute mm-hmm. until they're not so cute anymore, right? Or, or whatever, you know, they kind of are like this ugly little elementary school kids, which I say that only because elementary school kids find me funny. And then I'm like, you know, my talent has worn <laughs> off on them. But relish it. Your posture says everything. And especially... Yeah, no, I'll say especially generationally, Gen Z and Alpha Gen, like they read body cues and language like they know mm-hmm. when someone's being fake in front of them, including their parents, because mm-hmm. that's what I mean by like they're listening around you too. they're listening to mm-hmm. when they see you adapt and change like a chameleon in different settings. They know who real mom and dad is and they know mm-hmm. that's true when a front's being put up. And if you try to strike that with them, mm-hmm. oh, that's crushing to a relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I, when I was the next thing I was going to ask you was, and I, because um, I'm asking for a friend, not for me, <laughs> right? Is that I have a preteen, he's 12, and I see the up and down hormones and the moodiness and all that. Um, I mean, everybody goes through it, but um, what I've been learning is the more he felt he feels seen, the more it opens up a relationship, and I like I'm saying this out loud so you you know people that have younger kids can know that going into the preteen years and even teen years but like I would be interested to hear what you have to say about that statement the more they feel seen how do we see how do we honestly see our kids because a lot of times um we feel that if we're trying to be their friend or whatever then we're affirming what they're doing when really what they're doing is dumb and not very wise um, so how do you make them feel seen? N- knowing them matters. Um, s- saying things unique to them matters. Mm-hmm. 
and and literally seeing them and not just always be doing for them mm-hmm. um taking the time whether they're going to take it as well but taking the time to be with mm-hmm. and invest in mm-hmm. uh and those are generalized i know terms but think about your days like how quickly does a monday through friday like go by yes when you don't actually take a look at their face and see this i hate that i'm saying this but like is there new acne like and are you worried about it beyond like have you thought about the ramifications to their social life when new acne appears on their face Mm -hmm. like are you thinking about should i pick up some face wash should i teach them that like what are you how are you considering them and caring for them Mm -hmm. uh in really uh, unseen ways where they get seen. Yeah. Well, it makes me think of like when you were talking about being interested in their interests. That's right. Like I think of Jude, and I've said this before, listening to all of his Minecraft things. Like I'm like, <laughs> hey, yep, I'm lost. I was gonna say, Jude just got a new gaming keyboard, and I yeah. got the grand tour of the gaming yeah, keyboard. Did. Yeah. I think that I think that's really and even true. asking him like, why do you like that? Yeah. Yeah. It's um. I remember um, with my sons, it was like realizing, you know what, they know far more about this than mm-hmm. I do. So to sit down and say, can you tell me tell me about this or explain it to me, which obviously it's like, oh my gosh, I know something more than mom does. But that's, but it's like, yeah, you are capable. You, you know, I want you, I want to, and I want to understand too what you know, but explain it to me, mm-hmm. you know, and, and all that. Um I think that um, I think the other thing too is is um, and I know I think you've mentioned this in the past. It's like as a single mom, I wanted to know my kids' friends. Yes, because um, I was working full time. I didn't know who they were hanging out with. You know, they were old enough to be in the house by themselves and stuff like that. It's like so it was like okay. And I remember actually sitting down and praying. It's like oh gosh, God, I've got two teenage boys, <laughs> and I want them to have their friends over here. But I don't want them to be over here, you know, but, you know, but I, I want this. I want my house to be the place where it's like, oh, I want I, to, I want them to be this. here. I want them to be here because that way I know where they are. But also I get to see his friends. And um, so, let you know, so it's like, Mom, you know, I want to have someone so come over after school and we're going to play video games. OK. And um, I was a single mom. I wasn't getting paid very much. And it was like. They're going to eat me out of house and home because anything that isn't nailed down gets inhaled and eaten. Well, I was going to say, uh, be a Tammy Castles and always have yes. a can of Rotel, a bag of Tostitos, and some Velveeta <laughs> right. and sausage. And yep, yep. And just have the things. And, and she had like boxes. This is Trey's mom. Boxes of brownies. <laughs> boxes. I mean, like bags of chips. And she would have people over at her house all the time. But I do have a confession is <laughs> with the friends over thing. I did a deep clean in my basement yesterday because my in-laws are coming in town this weekend. And I was like, I need to get ready for them. Indy comes home from school and he's like, mom, can uh, Mason and Will come over? And I'm like, I just cleaned the basement. (laughs) I literally said those words and he was like, okay. I'm like, but maybe I can invite. Nope. Nope. I just cleaned the basement and like Green and Potter are coming in town this weekend. So no. And... (laughs) Yeah, and you know, I think yeah, I think that's the tension that all parents have yeah. is like, you don't have to say yes all the time. Sometimes no. no's are good, and yeah, there's yes. reasonings for that. And yeah, you know, maybe yeah, that I made a list of excuses the other time he asked, <laughs> and so Jude asked to have friends over today, and I'm like, no, yeah, that's fine. 
Did you twitch like that too? Yes. <laughs> well, he's having two friends over day, and and then I'm like, well, I don't have a plan for dinner. What am I gonna like? Those are just those are just little things. Yeah, like little things. sacrifices. I'll probably stop at the store on the way home and make brownies. Yeah. I will say this, and I'm gonna take this in a little bit less personal and and more uh, severe direction. Okay. So you're but well because your question um hits at the heart of something I think is problematic societally. You said, how do we see teenagers? Like, how do we mm-hmm. see our kids? Right. Um, this happened when the, um, shooting happened down in Parkland. Mm-hmm. Um, that happened, I, I want to say it was like on a Wednesday or a Thursday or something. And so that weekend, um, we scrapped what we were going to teach students. And I said, all you're going to do today, and I told all of our leaders, you're just going to get to know these kids more because it is my theory that the reason some students are able to get guns into schools is because no one's seeing them Mm -hmm. no one's paying attention to the little things no one's no one's noticing the unseen like do they have access to this have we taught them they can't like proper and so and that's i don't want to it's not a it sounds blaming to maybe the adults in their life i don't mean it to i do think that kid has not been seen from from some aspect or angle and not that we can see the totality of our children but there's something to that. And so one of the things we can do as uh, faith leaders, but also just as parents of kids with, with friends to see them, make your home safe spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, just like, like okay, so Jess, Jess and I are in a friendship, right? I know who her parents are, who her brothers are, who are in love. Like I know their names right. because I'm interested in her and her life. Do that with your kids. They're not some foreign alien. They might seem that way yeah. for about so, you know, seven, eight years. Yes. Um, but know them, know their people, see them, mm-hmm. not just to prevent terrible atrocities, but because that matters in the life of a person and shapes and forms them in ways you can't mm-hmm. maybe even, mm-hmm. uh, you know, predict. Yeah, that's very true. My heart breaks for kids that make decisions that are unsafe, but maybe it's because they have felt unsafe. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Or it's like hurt people hurt people, right? It's mm-hmm. like this is my only option when it, when it hasn't been. So Mm -hmm. you said something earlier that um, got my gears turning because someone else submitted a, um, a topic about parenting adult children. Mm. So you said parent your children like they're adults because like that's where you're going. Right. So like what happens when we get there, Janice, do you have adult children? You can probably chime in on this topic as well. Yeah, I have. um, Yeah, I have adult children. My, my kids are all officially uh, 40 or older, and that just, I've, I, I, when my daughter turned 40, I told her, I said, I'm sorry, this has to stop. <laughs> it has to stop. Because I don't feel old enough to have children right. this age, so just, just right. stop, okay? <laughs> but anyways, um, parenting adult children is really, really tricky. I think that by far, that has been the most challenging parenting season, and realizing that that's it from now on kind of thing you know what reasons um i think because well a couple things is that um when your kids are little and you know and they fall down and scrape their knee they come in you clean them up you put a pretty band-aid on them you pray for them you hug them whatever and everything is fine when you when you have adult children and they figuratively fall down and scrape their knees they're, you're dealing with adult problems. That's right. And it's so much more painful. Mm-hmm. And, and you also have to just realize that 
this is this is their life you know they get married that's their family you know um you know they make a mistake they have to deal with consequences but you're there to support them and i think the the dance is that um especially when you know they're in that 1820s kind of thing you know um you know this their brains are still figuring things out and growing you know and they can make some really really dumb decisions that will have like lifelong implications and it's and you have as a parent it's you have to do this dance of i can i i can't tell you everything to do anymore Mm -hmm. and you have to say okay god i've you know if you're in this position to say i have planted this and i have done this and i have done these things and so you know here you go um many times even with my my kids now it's like okay sometimes they just call and they just need to bounce things off mom and that's fine um and sometimes and i've learned to say okay do you want me to listen do you want my opinion do you want some advice you know sometimes they it, they're just processing it and they're and they come to their own conclusion but i the dance is that sometimes you just want to step in mm-hmm. and it's like oh no 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 Obviously, if they're doing something that's putting them in danger or, you know, or somebody else in danger or something like that, or they're about ready to make the dumbest financial decision ever, <laughs> you know, you're not going to just stand by and say, well, okay, you're 18, you know, you're not going to do that. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, um, I've seen, you know, so many parents struggle with just wanting to direct their lives and, and make sure they don't make mistakes. Um, and it's, and also too, it's, you have to respect them and again respect their decisions Mm -hmm. but also um be a safe place always yes always be the safe place where you're not they know that you're not going to you know it's like to say come back and say oh you know i've done this or whatever that they know that you're a safe place and you're going to greet them with open arms and not judgment Mm -hmm. and you know that you're going to say okay we're family we're going to we're going to work this out let's see what we can do my brain's going like all sorts of directions and so I am not the parent of an adult child. If anything, I am an adult child with a parent. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> she'll listen to this and she'll laugh. But there is this question of, so Janice, when you were talking, I heard like a linear formula. Like there's a lineal, linear solution to most problems up to age, let's say nine or 10. Mm-hmm. There's a pretty clear, here's what we got to do to do mm-hmm. this, right? And then you also had some fear-based language, and I'm, I want to guide them. I don't want to control them, but I just don't want them to end up here. Like, I see a trajectory right. mm-hmm. as to where they're headed. What kind of responsibility, like, if you had to write a job description for the parent of an adult child, because mm-hmm. writing a job description for the parent of a kiddo, yeah, I, I can write that, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I can probably write it for a teenager. It gets a little bit more ambiguous mm-hmm. to some mm-hmm. degree. Do you feel... Like, who do you feel responsible to? Or is it just out of a deep love and care? Like, because do your adult children expect you, expect, do you feel like an expectation is on you from them? The only, I think the only, um, if you want to say an expectation, it's just that they know that they can call me and I'll listen. Mm-hmm. And they know that I'll pray for them. Mm-hmm. They know that, you know, but, um, and if, and if there's some other way that I can help, I'll help. But they don't, it's not that I'm, um, I'm their savior and that I'm the answer to everything, Mm -hmm. you know, um, instead it's more, um, 
I'm mom. I'm still mom. I will be mom forever. Right. You know, and so they come to me and they, um, you know, it's like, okay, this is going on and I'm confused and I don't want to do or I've got this issue at work or, you know, or whatever, you know, um, you know, my daughter went through a situation in her first marriage that it was like, it was really, really, really hard hmm. to not just, I want to just get in there and fix it, fix it, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, and I couldn't until I, you know, and I really never said anything really directly about you need to do this until I felt like she was in danger and hmm. which time I did. Sure. But, um, but up to that point, it's more, I'm a sounding board and I'm going to point you to truth and scripture. I'm going to share my own experiences. I'm going to do whatever, but I'm not going to tell you this is, you You just have to do this, mm-hmm. you know, um, because I felt, I feel like, and out of that comes, I start seeing them as their individuals. And it's like, I don't always like what decision you made and how you're handling this, you know, but like, for example, my oldest son has, um, and his wife have two sons, my, my two grandsons. I'm not going to step in and say, you know what, the way you're parenting, <laughs> really? Well, you just, I mean, that we could unpack that for days. Because right. there's a difference between parenting an adult child and parenting They're... a parent. Right. Like, you hold the role of grandparent, but also parent of mm-hmm. a person that you're like, hey, dummy, I didn't do that to you. Right. And then they're probably sitting there going did like you were were, I do this because you did this right right right. and then there's all that because yeah what I have learned because I get to be an observer of all kinds of parents Mm -hmm. and life stages is every set of parents is an experiment oh my oh yes it is every every single family unit is an experiment and you're just hoping it works out Mm -hmm. and not everyone's end goal is the same that's Right. right and that's wild too and so everyone's just doing what they can. And my sadness in getting to know a lot of stories is I want people to talk more. Mm-hmm. Like if you are a parent, no matter what life stage your kid is in, get peers with kids your kid's age. Right. That's very good. Because you're not alone mm-hmm. and their kids are doing bonehead things too. And you need to feel like you're not crazy sometimes and also hear some other stories. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I... It is a sadness when I hear a story that's like, I, I don't really talk about this with anyone because, because at some point, and this goes back to teenager dim a little bit, but it extends into adulthood. We share kids. You, you said, oh, they fall and then they've scraped their leg. Mm-hmm. That's a funny story. Oh, my gosh. He tripped over his own tennis shoes. I've taught him how to tie them a million times. And yet he tripped mm-hmm. over his own shoes. Right. That's funny. Ha ha ha. Eventually, the trips become not funny. Right. And eventually, the trips actually make others look and question your child who's no longer a child. Right. So there are stories in teenager years, young adulthood and then adulthood. That's not my story. I can't tell that. That's a trip up that others will look at my kid Mm -hmm. differently Mm -hmm. and start to question their character and integrity. And so protecting their stories is another way to see them. Mm -hmm. Because, again, they're not just hearing how you talk to them, but about them. Yeah. And if they can't, that's how trust is built and broken Mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah, I'm what you want, especially your teenagers to know that, you know, that that you you are their champion you you you're on their side that's right you know um i mean all of my kids at some point i i looked at them and said you know what at this moment i don't like you very much because of the way you're talking to me or whatever it is you know i nothing but nothing will ever make me stop loving you yeah i love you i love you right now even the way you're treating and talking to me and whatever 
well, right now I don't like you because I don't like this. Yeah. You know, and, um, and I'm going to walk away before I do say or I'm do something. I'm going to myself in time out. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because it's not going to help our relationship any. But saying it, it matters. Yeah. Like, yes. Say, like, hey, I love you enough to let you know I'm not good to talk with right now. Mm-hmm. Um, because, but it's because I love you so deep, right? And I'm so worried for you, scared for you, annoyed with you, frustrated right. with you. Um, I I can't help but say this phrase, and I don't want to diminish the role of parent child in that important relationship. And yet, it's just like any other where say the words, mm-hmm. like say words to each other and mm-hmm. speak openly. Um, there's a family in my life that uh one of their adult children is uh in their 20s. And was just becoming standoffish towards the parents and, and kind of cold and distant. And so that dad plopped in his car, drove the hours it took to get to the place where their kid lived and said, hey, face to face, we need to figure this out because something's off. Mm-hmm. Um, that matters. Yeah. And the adult child, if I can say it like that, even though she's an adult, she's not mm-hmm. a child, um, might have been frustrated upon the first sight of her father. Um their relationship's better now. And they hashed out some really messy stuff. Mm-hmm. Assumptions, expectations, unmet, yeah. things like that. Because yeah. um, he was willing to say, I'm your champion. I am for, we are always for you, mm-hmm. you know? So what is this stance of we're not for you? I don't understand where that's coming from. Help me understand. Mm-hmm. Being yeah. teachable, being humble. That's right. Yeah. I mean, that's a big part of parenting. Yeah. So as adult, you know, adult children, what do I need from my mom? What do I need from mm-hmm. those folks in my life? And I'm curious, here's my other question to both of you. How does it, because research says, uh, if you study anything from the Fuller Youth Institute, you want at least five other adults around your teenager. Like that helps their faith and mm-hmm. um, stick beyond teenage years into young adulthood. So it's in, being intentional about placing other adults in their lives is important. But as parents, and everyone's wired differently, but is it a relief to know those other people are in your kids' lives? Or in your adult children's lives? Or is it sometimes very frustrating and uh, you feel a little like, oh, gosh, am I not as important anymore? I think for me, when especially, you know, because I was raising, um, you know, three kids, two of which were male, obviously, and um, and I was a single mom. It became really apparent to me. It's like uh, they need some men in their lives. Mm. They need some godly men that are going to show them and model that in front of them. I can't. I can do what I can do, but I can't do those things. And um, at the time, the, the church that we were in, it was like I went to men that I knew were safe and were good and just said, you know, hey, can you, you know, spend some time with my son? Can you just whatever? And it went everything from, um, you know, guys coming over and playing video games with, you know, with my sons and, and that to, uh, you know, when... One of them got really, really angry and, you know, put a hole in a wall, you know, in the drywall. I was saying, okay, so so so-and-so's coming over and he's going to teach you how to fix the drywall. Yes. 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 There we go. Yeah. You know, Um, those kinds of things. And um, the same thing with my daughter. It is humbling when you have teenagers to realize I'm not their be-all and end-all. I'm not. Like you once were. Because you truly once were. Right. Because when they're little, you really are. They're not, number one, they're not looking for that in me Mm. because they are starting, they're looking at their peers and they're looking at out out here. But, and so therefore, God, I better be praying that the people that 
are in their lives are the ones that are going to continue to point them to you and give them good advice. And so um, for my daughter, it was, you know, my five women friends, you know, in fact, um, you know, it's, it's almost like, you know, when she got married a few years ago, it was like, they were all there because it was like, they're all like moms, you know, they, you know, and there were things that she would talk to them about or go to them about that she didn't feel comfortable coming to me about because it was whatever. And I had to be, and I was fine with that. You know, they, I mean, yes, at first it's like, she's not going to come to me and talk to me. You know, it's like, no. And but, then respecting that confidentiality. Right. right. And, it, and, and that was, you know, and that was, and I knew that, you know, one of these women ended up being one of her youth leaders. And so I knew that she talked to her about things that she didn't. And that, and it was like, okay, but I know this woman. Trust that person. And yeah. I trust her that she's going to, you know, you know, listen and, and give her godly advice and also point her to healthy decisions and, you know, and listen and, and all of that. So, um, but yeah, who those adults are is really important, which is why really when you are in, you know, a good faith community, a church community, that can be is so important because it builds it all in that you can have um you know a youth pastor a youth leader you know whatever those people speaking into your your kids life spending time with them doing all those things Mm -hmm. it's so so important i saw that you know for all three of mine that it was that um that they had those connections Mm -hmm. well jess i want you to answer too but let me just respond to janice because what i also heard you say is there are some self-checkpoints along the way. Mm-hmm. Am I operating from a dependent stance on my kid? Right. Am I? Is, is this a fear-based worry or a mm-hmm. faith-based worry? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those are all tensions within us that our kids don't need to own. Like, they're not. No, it doesn't really involve They're them. not. Like, that's me. Yeah. Right. That's me. That's not right. them. So if a parent can step back and look at a situation and go, okay, is this me? Is it them? Is it our relationship? Like, what mm-hmm. is it? Um, that can be really fruitful, too. And then apologizing to your kid when you mess up oh yeah that's a new thing oh (laughs) i read something early on with my kids that uh highlighted that truth it's like always be willing to admit where you're wrong yeah because it paves a way for them to take ownership in their wrongdoings too so what about you is it a relief when you see other adults pouring into your kids or is it okay Mm -hmm. yeah it is um because i know i'm not doing it alone Mm. It makes it seem less daunting. Um, and for them to, I think it, I think it helps them solidify or at least be more open to discovering who they are when they know that people are supporting them. Because I think of my son, Indy, who I like, he, you say that kids are always listening. They are. Indy is always seeing and hearing. Like, it's like I can catch his eyes and his ears listening in, eavesdropping, not like being nosy, just like, I want to know so I can go talk. It's like, I want to know how this world works. Um, I mean, that's what I see in his eyes. Um, And to see that there's like, we're, we're in a community, a church where he has several like teenagers and adults that are fist bumping him, high five, asking him how basketball's going. Um, Like asking him, does he like school? What about your teacher? Blah, blah, blah. He's finding a lot of value about who he is because he's realizing like, oh, like people take interest in me and they know about me. They f- he feels mm-hmm. seen and it only solidifies his identity. Not to say he's not going to go through times where he's trying to figure out who he is, but it at least lays a groundwork for him to be able to say like, I am loved mm-hmm. and 
So it gives him the confidence to continue to discover who he is. And but, one of the things that I do um, or try to do is on, for example, like on a Sunday morning in between times, we have a large foyer at this church. And so and I like to call it, it's our living room because we invite people in and they just hang out, you know. But um, I always try to look for some of the teenagers and just go over and start talking I to them. I've talking to dude before. You know, and just talking and just asking questions and just, you know, letting them talk and asking more questions. Well, what do you, th- you know, tell me more about that. That sounds really cool. You know, but just to do that, because I, I realize it's like, number one, I want to learn about them. You know, I'm fascinated by people and um, I would, and it's, you know, and just to see how their minds work and what their thoughts are and what's interesting to them. But also it's like, I know just the idea of just them saying, oh, wow, you know, this person who's a lot older than me uh, is interested, you know, and, and I mean, it's just fascinating to do that. And, and when you, when you take the time to do that, it's um, again, kind of like helping them verbalize and understand some of who they are and know that they're being seen, you know, and they're just, you know, I mean, because they're just they're just so unique and they're so wonderful. Yeah. You, you know. started this episode talking about uh, writing letters to your babies. Mm-hmm. And I didn't say it then, but this thread has reminded me it's a heart shift. It's a heart shift to look at parenting as stewardship. Yeah. As this baby, this child, this person is a gift in my life from God. They were never mine to begin with. I just get to be a steward over their life mm-hmm. and be a guide towards Christ. Yeah. Right. And if if we can step humbly into that space and think about the folks we're surrounding them with, the ways we're getting to learn them, the mm-hmm. all these elements, um, it it will impact that life and that heart mm-hmm. far longer than we might even see the benefits of. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's um the church I grew up in, I grew up in a really small town. And like I said, my mom was a single mom uh from early on and she surrounded us with people who love Jesus. She loved Jesus and she couldn't have done it alone. Like logistically, y'all know, like just, I mean, this was, I'm not going to say how long ago it was, but you know, (laughs) even then, like making sure we got to the practices and the schools and the things and all that, right? So there was a lot of reliance on others and um, she, she let herself like that probably took Mm -hmm. some pride droppage to say, I need some help. But then when we graduated from high school, when we graduated from college, when we came home to visit, when you know, my sister got married when first babies happened and moves and all these all these milestones and lives that we just went on and lived. Um, they'd ask mom how we were doing. We got some letters. They would show up as guests like. We might not have visited them every time we came home, mm-hmm. but they cared and kept mm-hmm. they, they kept just planting seeds and, and caring. Mm-hmm. They didn't have to. Yeah. And so I would say, listener, if you don't have children of your own. Um, invest in kids and teens, please right. invest in young adults. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the least attended to life yeah. stage in the church because often people don't know what to do. And I think culturally we're making a good shift. Um, but still the church has a very uh, small, like hyper-focused mentality of, well, if they're not in college, I'm not really sure what to do with that person. Cause I, we don't talk college. So are they working? Are they living at home? I don't know. That wasn't my experience. Or, are they not married yet? Do they want to be married? Do they not have kids? Like, pick other topics to talk about with Thank these you. people that are living life. <laughs> yeah. Figuring it out, trying to apply faith, and might not have any hopes or dreams of living into those expectations or spaces. Right. right. So, yes, if you don't have kiddos, 
you are still a steward of the next generation because you're a disciple of Christ. That's very true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too is also is that um, as as parents, you have to give yourself some grace. Mm -hmm. Um, Believe me, there's been there's lots of times where I will look back on my parenting, you know, of say in the teenage years and go, oh man, I that was this is not good. You know, why did I do that? You know, why did I approach things that way? Or I was, I was so rigid or, you know, whatever, you know, um, or even just when they were younger, I had a thing with, with, I of a, a memory I had of my oldest son when he was five. And I went to him probably, this was about three, four years ago and said, I just feel like I really just need to ask you to forgive me for this mm-hmm. because, you know, and, and I, you know, and he goes, I don't remember that. I'm like, what? <laughs> I have been beating myself up for yeah. all these years yeah. about this, and you don't even remember? I thought I had scarred you for life, you know, whatever, you know? And uh, and he was like, Mom, I don't even remember that. Yeah. You know? Of course, then, you know, because he is who he is, he brought up something else that I didn't remember. I'm like, okay, forgive me for that then, you know? But I think that that's the thing is that we have to Give ourselves, extend ourselves some grace. Yeah. Just like we were talking about when we know that we've messed up, you know, we flew off the handle. We were just, you know, everything and, and it was your, our, we overreacted, whatever, to go back to that child, that teenager, whatever, and say, you know what, this is what I did. And I am so sorry. You yeah. know, that's, you know, can we just, can we just start all over with this yeah. conversation, whatever. But to do that, but also then, you know, give yourself some grace and let yourself off the hook. And know that you are not, you're not a perfect parent and you're going to, you're going to make mistakes, but learn from them, you know, and, and even for those of you who have adult children and you're looking back and saying, oh, I wish I had done this and I wish I had done that, you know, that never takes you any place good. Yeah. Right. Well, and it's not too late. That's right. right. You can pray. You can pray. I mean, th- that was one thing about being a single parent when my kids were teenagers that is probably the roots of my prayer life right there. Mm-hmm. I learned how to really pray during that time. Mm-hmm. And that's so important, you know, because it doesn't matter if they're, even if you have adult children that are successful and they just have happy marriages and everything looks great, you better be praying for them. Mm-hmm. You need, you just continue to pray for them because there's always something. Yeah. And simplify your end goals. Good grief. If your end goal is just, they know Jesus pretty good end goal yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it's pretty good end that goal. can happen in a lot of ways that's right yes i have two thoughts as we wrap up one being um there's actually a title of a book that gina woods actually gave me as i was asking yes. her about parenting with adult children yes. and the book is called keep the door open and your mouth shut yes and Ooh, i was like i've read it it's good. very it is Has very good have you read it okay it's very good um i hadn't read it i haven't read it yet it's sitting in my closet and i need to give that copy back to her but um <laughs> i think that's really great advice mm-hmm. Um, because it is just one that is inviting and you're welcome here. I will listen. Mm -hmm. If you want my advice, I will open my mouth, but if not, then I'm just going to listen. Um, and then also I heard a friend recently, um, talk to me about, like, I was talking to her about, uh, my stage in parenting with, Mm -hmm. uh, preteens. And she said that there's a time when, uh, you, you walk in front of your kids and they follow behind. And you're showing them and it's very exemplary and you, you know, show them the ropes. And then there's a time in life that you enter into like preteen years and teenager years where you're walking beside them. Mm -hmm. And 
you're doing things shoulder to shoulder, you're walking forward, you're taking your one stride at a time. And then there will be times when you have adult children and they get to go out in front mm-hmm. and they are the leader in their own families, in their own way. And I thought like that, that, um, that picture was so powerful to me and it stuck to me because it helped me break down the stages of my parenting mm-hmm. and not feel so overwhelmed by it. Because yeah. when I get overwhelmed, I can say, okay, my job right now is to walk shoulder to shoulder mm-hmm. and I can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, or my job right now is to show them how to do things. Mm-hmm. It's a good word. Um, so. Uh, We hope that you're encouraged, of course, with any of these subjects that we're talking about. We can talk episodes upon episodes, uh, but we hope that just this small episode can help you along the way as you parent teenagers and as you have um, children that are adults. So join us back next week. We will have Renee back next week. So yeah, me? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) You know that. I know. But it's nice when it's a surprise, right? (laughs) Yeah. So we will see you next week. Thanks for listening today. We hope this episode has inspired you to start a conversation with the women in your life. And we would love to hear from you, your comments, as well as your questions. So email us at inspired at the x.church. And we would love to see you at the Inspired Conference on Saturday, May 6th, here at X Church. Registration is open now. You don't want to miss it. Sign up for the conference at www.thex.church forward slash inspired 2023. And don't forget to join us next week for more conversation in another episode of the Inspired Podcast. See you then.